Oasis starting up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone. Let's get it started. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Okie dokie, uh, we're talking startup exit strategies today. When's the right time to sell your company and how do you plan for it? Asking you to get involved in the conversation as well. Number of ways you can do that. Uh, so please do reach out to us at Virtue Zone, hashtag starting up with Virtue Zone, or of course at Dubai Eye 1038 FM, hashtag Dubai Eye 1038. This is starting up with Virtue Zone today. We talk exit strategies. Does every startup need to be thinking about planning their exit? When do you start uh, that uh, exit plan process? When's the right time to sell your business? Is there a right time to sell your business? Uh, can you get out too early? Can you get out too late? We'd like to hear your thoughts, experiences uh, and any questions. Uh, we're going to be speaking to Massimo Caniso, the CEO and the co-founder of Jellify Middle East, an accelerator for B2B tech companies. He's going to give some tips on creating an exit strategy that suits all. Also catching up with the entrepreneur that is Mr. Adam Ridgeway. He's also recently sold his media business to focus on his electric motorcycle startup, One Moto. Uh, more on that later in proceedings. Plus, Company Clinic has get the team from VirtuZone in here to profit for advice to answer your questions to give experience and more so again if you've got any questions for virtue zone you've got any questions with regards to startups this is the place to be as always uh, imploring upon you to get involved in the conversation get involved in the show by texting us now on 4001 have your say online as well at dubai i1038 fm hashtag dubai i1038 at virtue zone and don't forget the hashtag hashtag starting up with virtue zone this is starting up with virtue zone we are Live on Dubai Eye on a 3.8. More of starting up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone in moments. On Dubai Eye 103.8. In moments indeed. Startup exit strategies, the big talker of the day. Uh, the latest hot topic uh, to be brought to you by uh, all the team at Starting Up with Virtue Zone. And it's an absolute pleasure to say that the founder and the chairman uh, is in studio to present with me today. Uh, a welcome to Mr. Neil Petch. Good morning. Very good morning. And for those of you that like to buy a book and then skip to the last chapter to know what happens, this is what we're talking about, how to exit your company. (laughs) It's the fun stuff. (laughs) The fun stuff. You know, don't go through all that 27 chapters of what went on. Just get to the end, you know, and how you ended up in the Bahamas. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And can I tell you the number of companies that have come through Virtue Zone and have exited? I'm beginning to feel very, very inferior. Is that right? Yeah. Is it Amazing. right? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I'd love to know when the, when, the, when the time is right, and I suppose that's going to be one of the big questions. Anyway, uh, it is tradition that we always ask Neil how the last seven days have been, because I think it's fair to say, Petchy, that there ain't a seven day. In fact, there's not a single day that goes by in this part of the world without something new cropping up. It's been an active one over the last week. Listen, Tom, when did you last meet a property magnet? Uh, yeah, it's been a while. Okay. Oh, come on. You're being modest now. <laughs> I got a message from a property magnet friend of mine. He says uh, rather facetiously, he's, he's made his money in, in London. He's skipped out here to work, work from home for a while. And it was a video of Ain of our own oh, yeah. eye. And they're projecting on it Expo coming. And yeah. I know, Tom, you're going to be heading down there quite a lot uh, 
very soon. And he was saying, and he has a huge uh, followership on on social media, and he was saying, look at how Dubai is getting ready for this. (laughs) So we've seen the traffic. We're projecting on on this magnificent thing. And it makes me think, actually, that in business, sometimes we always think to invest in things that directly affect us. But when a country decides to build the Palm or build the Burj Al Arab or put the the A&N, you know, there are very, very real benefits from that. And there are people all around the world talking about it. And everyone's saying, when someone says, you know, I'm coming to to base myself in Saudi Arabia, not necessarily the most, you know, outrageously positive uh, feedback. Dubai, everybody says, ah, I've seen such and such. And we've got that behind us. So when you're setting up a business and you want to know, are you being supported? Yes, you are. <laughs> it's going to be really interesting. You mentioned Expo there. Um, and yeah, spending a lot of time up there over the last seven days. Uh, and we'll be spending a lot more time up there over the course of the next six months. A lot of people, you know, haven't had the opportunity to go up to the Expo site yet. But one thing I'm sort of getting, and I'm sure you are uh, as a leader of industry here in Dubai, Mr. P, is the idea that, you know, regardless of if you're involved in Expo, if you're not involved in Expo, it brings another element of excitement, another element of conversation into the mix here. And, And Dubai... The region, the UAE, can't help but be influenced by it over the next six yeah, months. That's true. I mean, firstly, listeners, it is true. I did just slip Tom a tanner to say that I was a leader <laughs> in industry. So thank you very much, uh, Tom. The, the checks in. The checks in. No, in mate, the you don't make front page of the, of the of Golf Business magazine without being a leader. Oh, that was that was twenty pounds. <laughs> <laughs> No, but listen, Expo, you know, there's yet another stat that's coming out to to support that we're going to have uh, this growth. And I tell you what, you know, li- listen, last time I saw Expo was Elvis Presley in uh, New York. <laughs> I'm, that, I'm that old. But some of the things that they have got there, I mean, it's sitting right in front of us. You know, I think about it. I never go to see the Spice Souk or the Gold Souk until friends are coming to stay on holiday, at which point I take them. We've got all these amazing things on our doorstep. So if you don't know how to get a ticket, then get online. We'll let VirtuZone do it for you, Tom. (laughs) Doing that as well, are you? Right, time for us to get into the papers uh, with a couple of these stories that have been covered over the last seven days. Well briefed. The business stories you need to know this week. Right, some of the big stories uh, of the last week uh, for you. Uh, Let's get the thoughts of uh, Neil on these amongst others. Uh, 10% of early stage startups are focused on blockchain technology according to the latest global startup ecosystem report. The report listed blockchain as one of the sectors to watch alongside artificial intelligence, big data and robotics. The annual report is compiled by policy advisor organization Startup Genome uh, and surveys over 10,000 startup executives globally. Uh, it's all about blockchain. It, do we all fully understand blockchain I think, technology Tom, yet? The, the real stat is that 10% are on blockchain yeah, that's and true. 90% claim they are because it's a really cool word to <laughs> use. <laughs> no, listen, I mean, we're talking about exiting today. And, and one of the things um, about exiting is the multiple you get a traditional way of valuing your company is you you take your profit if you've made if you've made a hundred thousand dollars in in this year then if you sell your company you get paid a multiple of that let's say you get paid 
a multiple of 10, then you receive a million dollars. Now, that multiple changes according to which country your company is in and which industry you're in. And if you're in fintech, if you're in blockchain, then if you're in the provision of software, then your multiple rises dramatically. That's why the likes of Instagram and WhatsApp and stuff have such huge valuations, despite not necessarily showing huge profit. So one of the things that our entrepreneurs listening should be thinking about is when you exit is actually... Is your business uh, morphing from being just the provision of, of services to more of a fintech automated company? Because if it is, then that multiple could go, for example, from five to 20. Mm. And that means you're quadrupling, he, he says, showing his mathematical prowess, the value of your business. Uh, that's just one of a number of stories with regards to all things startups. Here's another Cairo-based blockchain startup. Pravika has raised an undisclosed investment from the Swiss venture capital firm Crypto Valley Venture Capital. Pravika, founded in 2019 by Mohamed Abdu, and aims to use blockchain technology, there it is again, to provide better privacy and security in the communication industry, specifically messaging apps where regular data breaches cause problems for business and individuals. Uh, another great um, uh, use of technology and blockchain technology there. I mean, is there the risk, Mr. P, do you mm-hmm. think that a lot of people get sort of a little bit concerned or overly concerned by not being on top of the tech thing? Because, you know, you and I have sat here over the course of the last, past, the, the, the last few months or whatever, and a lot of the, of, of the success stories we talk about are from creative minds, you know. Yeah. And creative mind might not be a technical mind as well. And therefore, how do you marry the two? Is it about surrounding your people, surrounding yourself with the right people? Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, you know, in, in sports, some of the great managers didn't talk about the opposition. They, they spoke about their team's own strengths. And if we apply that to business, I would say that if your strength is creativity – and stop trying to fintech it. Um, I get the fundamentals right. The fundamentals of your business won't change if you automate something. Um, Automation is fantastic. It enables you to regionalize and and so on and so on. But you've got to have the fundamentals right in the first place. And sometimes we lose focus by getting distracted. Um, One final one before we move on to the big talkers of today. Uh, Dubai-based health tech startup Selfology has launched a first-of-its-kind platform, Cosmetic Consumers, to access information about procedures and book treatments. It provides expert vetted content and medically reviewed articles and features in Arabic and English. The launch follows a successful seed funding round in June of this year when the startup secured $17.5 million in funding. Uh, there's always money in health tech, isn't it? It's one of those industries that always rides a storm. And when there's, when there's old people around like me trying to look young, Tom. You ain't old, mate. You know that. <laughs> you ain't old, that's for sure. Those are just some of the big stories uh, of the week. We will have more for you a little later on in proceedings. But next up, we turn our attention to today's big talkers. And we are talking exit strategies. Does every startup need to be thinking about planning their exit? When do you start that process? And when is the right time to sell your business? We will have more on this next you're listening to starting up with tom urquhart and virtue zone on dubai i 103.8
This is starting up with Virtue Zone. We're live here on Dubai I 103.8 FM. Do welcome uh, one and all to starting up with Virtue Zone live here uh, on the station. Uh, have your say. Come on. Uh, get in touch with us at Virtue Zone is the handle. The hashtag is starting up with Virtue Zone. And we, uh, myself and uh, Mr. Neil Petch, are discussing exit strategies for you today. Does every startup need to be thinking about planning their exit? Well, let's get into that one because when is the right time to sell your company? And what steps do you need to make it happen? Uh, Massimo Canizzo is the CEO and the co-founder of Jellify Middle East. His company invests in tech startups and helps them grow through a unique jellification program. Massimo uh, happily joins us live on the line, but also live via Microsoft Teams. Massimo, good morning to you. Good morning and thank you. I'm very glad to have joined the, the, this conversation. Exit strategy is always a very important topic for startups uh, that are much more focused uh, sometimes on uh, on raising funds, but not uh, thinking about the end of the game. Well, we couldn't. So thank you. Not at all. We couldn't have, uh, have hoped for a better uh, guest to sort of set the scene, as it were, with regards to exit strategies. I mean, before yeah. we get on to, to your thoughts, tell us about this program that I just mentioned, the Jellification program. What what does that involve yeah first of all uh, to understand the jellification program i think it's important to understand what is jellify because we are uh, a quite a new model uh, on the on the innovation ecosystem because at the same time we are a company helping startups with investment and with capabilities but we also manage uh, a vc actually a fund uh, with other investors co-investing with us and we have uh, a full consulting and system integration practice that is able to bring valuable positions to corporates that embed and encapsulate the solutions of startups. This is something that usually is fragmented on between VCs, accelerators, consultants, but we keep a unique value proposition that is accelerating the speed of innovation. That's why jellification is effective. Jellification is a mix of activities and services that we do for startups and with startups in order to speed up their uh, growth. Uh, jellification is a metaphor, actually, <laughs> and that's why the name of our company, Jellify, coming from the idea to have a startup in uh, initial stage, in the ideation stage, as uh, in the air state. And uh, this is the moment uh, to work to make it realize something tangible, visible on the market. And uh, so a, a first beta version of the solutions, a first prototype, a first client, first revenues. And uh, this brings the startups in what we call the liquid state. And then uh, it's uh, happening the jellification, where the from the liquid state slowly, slowly injecting capabilities, injecting mark, joint market making uh, with the startups, and also the proposition of their solutions to a wider audience internationally of corporates. So we help the startup to become more and more solid on the market and. Uh, so the jellification process is bringing to actually be ready and solid mm. for an exit uh, execution. Okay. Of course, uh, during this 
process, uh, the exit strategy has to be set, and all is happening across this uh, life, um, life journey of, of the startup has to be coherent uh, and aligned with the exit strategy. Massimo, can we start with a classic mistake that people make who aren't using jellification, wasting wasting money and and not focusing can you tell our our listeners a few of the typical mistakes that that people make when they're not advised by companies such as yours when they go out looking for funding yes first of all it's that when you arrive to execute an exit it's important to have created across the past years, all the prerequisites to run this kind of exit in the proper way. Because different kind of exit are driving different execution strategy for the market, for the partnerships, and for the product itself. Now, everybody, I mean, very young startups uh, dreams to open a startup and uh, to create the, the, the funnel of, of investments uh, in order to have the cash to develop the product, to go to the market. But sometimes they don't do this according with the, uh, which will be the exit strategy. I think that there is a, a sort of leadership uh, lesson that comes from uh, maybe from the baby boomers to the to the millennial uh, entrepreneurs that if uh, if i remember steve covey um, say um, quote uh, saying it's important to start with the end in mind and this was for the career of the baby boomers but still valid also for a startup start with the end in mind means that uh, uh, it's naive to say let's do a startup and then maybe we do an IPO. This is very naive because IPO is a very complex and it's not applicable to everything. There are so many other options that can be acquisitions, mergers, asset selling, or uh, um, just, uh, um, let me say, uh, some uh, uh, private offering that can be done to equity partners. But even there are companies that sometimes are very profitable, even not doing an exit. And this is something that uh, uh, investors need to know since the beginning, because they need to also select and join and agree with the exit strategy of of the startup. Massimo, a lot of... A lot of entrepreneurs think that the only benefit to raising money is the money that you get. That's not actually the case, is it? Uh, Going through an exit uh, uh, process actually does a bunch of things to your company that makes you look at uh, uh, your company. What what are those things that you you stress to, to people that work with you? Yeah, first of all, we offer the, the support uh, end-to-end during the life cycle of, of uh, the startup in order to help them to set the strategy at the beginning, to execute the strategy in the middle, and to run the exit at the end. So, for example, uh, one thing that we use, apart the, the jellification itself, it's uh, uh, the fact that we make uh, the startup very visible and very appealing for possible acquisitions. Um, and this is, uh, for example, uh, for the B2B tech startups we work with, uh, we help them uh, to improve their product and to let the product be appreciated by the market, even certified in the Garner Quadrant, for example. And this is also something that we help that until now six companies to be quoted in the in the Garner Quadrant. Another kind of help we, we give uh, is uh, uh, that uh, we 
increase their sales and their revenues because we help them in selling because we co-sell together uh, joint projects. So our consulting and system integration workforce is working with startups in order to sell bigger projects to bigger corporates, also creating the appetite of corporates in, through the CVC to invest in the, into the startups and to maybe acquire the startups in, in, the, in the future. Uh, last but not least, uh, we are also helping corporates to activate their venture builder, their uh, CVC. And uh, during this mechanism, of course, it's, for us, it's easier to qualify some startups to become possible kernel of these uh, ventures for corporates. Um, at the end, in the B2B tech uh, world where we operate, uh, um, it's more frequent to see acquisitions than IPO, uh, of course, but uh, this especially for countries like Middle East. Uh, but of course, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's important to decide if a, a solution of a startup is destined to an IPO, because the game during the years will be completely different in terms of which shareholders, which partners for business, uh, uh, which management for the business itself. Massimo, brilliant advice. We could speak for so much longer. We've only scratched the surface. Unfortunately, we're out of time and I've got uh, the news team shouting in my ear at the moment. But uh, I really appreciate well, your time. All the best uh, with all that's going on down at Jellify, the programme. And of course, I know you've got the Digital Entrepreneur Fast Track programme that we'll talk about uh, in uh, weeks to come as well. But for now, Massimo, really appreciate your time and thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to share with you these ideas. You're back with Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and VirtuZone. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Indeed you are. Uh, it's me, Tom Urquhart, alongside me, Mr. Neil Petch of VirtuZone. Uh, we're asking you to... Get involved. Uh, you can have your say online at Dubai I1038FM uh, or more importantly at Virtual Zone. Uh, get involved. Hashtag uh, be your own boss is what we're asking you to do. And hashtag starting up with Virtue Zone. Company Clinic coming your way a little later on. Not though before we introduce our next uh, guest. And looking forward to this one. Startup Spotlight. As you know, today's topic is about selling your business and the right time to call it quits is that the right phrase to use or whenever you move on next guest has uh, been dubbed the elon musk of motorcycles adam ridgeway is the founder and the ceo of the electric vehicle startup one moto uh, the entrepreneur also ran a really successful media business media cubed which he's only recently sold here's our producer Catherine cunningham with more Adam Ridgway founded MediaCubed 12 years ago, providing everything from branding, video production and talent management. But spurred on by a personal passion to make a change in the delivery industry, Adam turned his attention to launching an electric vehicle company. Adam explains the company's mission. One Motor were the UAE's first and only multi-award winning electric vehicle manufacturer and we're focused on the last mile. And we've got one goal, to switch all last mile vehicles in the UAE electric by 2024. So our delivery bikes and vans not only help reduce the environmental damage significantly, but also help fleet operators, restaurateurs, aggregators save around 74% OPEX. So it makes the last mile profitable, whilst ensuring that the riders earn more money, they're safer on the roads by reducing pressure. 
Currently in 21 territories, Adam's goal is to be in 100 cities by 2025. And as one moto expands and gains traction, Adam decided he had to make a call and sell Media Cubed. Want to find out more about that? Happy to say that Adam now joins us live from the UK where he's working on One Moto's expansion. Joins us live on the line. Also, as you can see, live via Microsoft Teams. Good morning. Very early morning to you, Mr. Adam Ridgway. Yeah, good morning to you guys. Thank you very much for having me. Really appreciate your time and fascinated to get a bit more insight into today's uh, big talker of when is the right time to sell. I mean, given the success of Media Cubed, uh, Adam, was it always the idea? Did you always have it in the back of your mind that you wanted to sell? Why did you come to that point to sell? And and what was that point that you said, you know what, I've got to sell? Yeah, thanks. It it was... um it's a tough one because I, I built the business not ever expecting or wanting to sell. You know, the media, the creative industry was something that still very, very much makes up a large part of my DNA. So um, they were built as a lifestyle business or Media Cubed was. And then it, it sort of grew into a group of companies that had four uh, modest uh, sort of agencies within all specializing in different different parts of the market. And, um, and yeah, sort of building them. The, the reason of, of, I suppose, as a founder, you're opportunistic or you, you see opportunities where others may not. So as those businesses were growing, I was actually becoming a father for the first time in, I think it was November 18. And I decided, like, am I going to do this for the next 10 years or do I want to do something that was making a difference or could make a difference? And that's where, and I was working on One Moto for a few years before that. And it was just sort of that natural transition that everything I've learned and the network and so on, um, I could apply that to one moto and then sort of drive one moto forward. And then I had to make that, that call. And it's, um, it's, yeah, I wanted to do something that made a difference. And then I started exploring the opportunities of selling media cubes. Which did was, it have value to someone and so on? Which was going to be my sort of next question to you. Which I mean, did you have someone come knocking on the door and say, oh, Adam, do you fancy uh, selling up? Or was it a question of you going to market? Yeah, it was very much me going to market. And firstly, though, you have to look at, I suppose, all the housekeeping of the business. And if you've structured the business and you've you've got your processes and systems in place where others might not. I, I looked at as a media agent or collection of media agencies, does this have value and who to and um, are they prepared to pay for it? So you do need to go to market and explore and really when the, the the value of some of the businesses is is the database um the other side of the business is say kit and assets and then the client portfolio but then you look at that barrier to entry um having 12 years of of heritage and you know thousands of of jobs projects clients that all has a value so it's how do you package that and then create a valuation according to you know what you think it's worth it was your life or what is it worth to the to the investor? Adam, as a potential investor, a little question for you. Firstly, Elon Musk should be lucky that you're called the Elon Musk of <laughs> motorcycles. My God, you're riding you're riding to the the save, to be the saviour of, of the guys who are actually delivering the stuff, the, the restaurants that are using it. It's awesome. It's a very crowded space that you're in and and obviously, you know, the way you present yourself, everyone can hear it immediately that gives you a 
uh, a foot a foot on the ladder. But how how did you set yourself apart from 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 those others? And and for for an investor um, who's looking to uh, in, invest in in something like this, what what are the sort of things they should be looking out for? So if we look at one moto. Um, really, what sets us apart is we are still the UAE's only um, electric vehicle manufacturer. And we designed our vehicles for purpose being the last mile we also have the private vehicles as well but 90 percent of our focus is on the last mile with the delivery vans and, and bikes and with some investors look at the tech side of the business we're not an asset heavy organization so you look at the tech that's driving these vehicles the data that can be um uh sort of claimed i suppose from the riders and then provided back to the governments and so on so there's a there's a a very strong data side of the business but then you look at the other form of usps and i don't believe there there should be one or, or there certainly isn't in our case but you've got the, uh, the the business is built on values and two of those values are the convenience so you can swap out the batteries within 10 seconds and you can charge with any three pin socket so you don't need any um, additional public private sector infrastructure and from an investor's point of view if you take for the valuation of where we were um, July last year and sort of into February this year, and then from February to um, to today, with you know seven and a half times valuation um, pre money. So, in the, with the, the the customers and the clients and the reports and the feedback and the data, it's showing a very high high growth. Um, you know, I suppose we're a scale-up startup. I don't really know how you want to label it. Adam, can I just come back on, on data? Because you've, you've mentioned something that obviously everyone hears about why WhatsApp is worth what, what it is and, and, and so on. I suppose Cafu has, shares a few similarities with, with you in, in, in that when that first came out, we just thought it was something targeting good old lazy Dubaiites. But actually, there's a hell of a lot more behind it, isn't there? So could you just give us a little explanation about the sort of uh, data that you might have that might be available to, to third parties? Yeah, of course. So the, you look at the data, it's provided by the telematics. So the vehicles are, we, we claim, smartphones on wheels. And they communicate, obviously, with your, with your phone, but also the vehicle and the battery and, and the performance. And one of the, the three problems that we address are environment, profitability, and time and well, safety. Um, with the, the the safety of the riders is a, a personal passion for me because it's it's just not really considered through training. Um, are the riders aggressive in their in their riding styles or passive? Are they speeding? Um, are they are they safe? You know, at what level of the the battery performance are they getting? according to what they should be getting and we can then see that if these say 50 riders need um are riding very aggressively it might not actually be them it might be uh we'll say their fault it might be according to the pressure that's put on them you know if they, they have to do 500 deliveries a month just to get an extra 250 dirhams in their pay packet and that's putting a lot of pressure on these guys so we can look at this just that's just one sort of silo um data set but we can see this and then offer these guys need more training or we can start looking at why do they why are they riding in a certain style um and then we can provide that to the rta 
to other government uh, departments if they need it. We can then um, optimize routes for the aggregators and the fleet operators. Uh, so they're, the, they're a few of the, I suppose, the, the data sets that we can get. And then how do we start looking at um, applying the gamification of sustainability? Because we've realized that not everyone cares about the environment, say, as much as we do. And we get that, and that's totally cool for now. So what we're looking at is everyone's looking at the profitability, and rightly so. Last Mile is not a profitable industry, although it's, it's hyper-growth. So we can look at gamifying sustainability. So the more green kilometers you do, we create this um, loyalty program that we're working with HSBC on um, from a public, sorry, a, a general public sector of anyone that has one of our e-bikes or, or scooters. You can take in that data and offset that or those carbon credits offset those for um, for other sustainably focused businesses. Adam, if you were on Dragon's Den, you just won it. The gamification <laughs> of sustainability. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, Adam, we're out, a... we're out of time, unfortunately. Just time for a qu- oh, very no. quick one. I know we could talk for so much longer on this one because obviously uh, it is uh, a brand that's done so well here in the UA. I just, I mean... I mean, I know the landscaping down at Arabian Ranches is good, but that that landscape behind you, that background is a giveaway. You ain't down the ranches or the Emirates Hills today. How is the UK this morning? It's absolutely freezing. <laughs> it's, a, it's beautiful. It's been the blue skies. It's wonderful. It's the first time I've been back in a couple of years. Um, so I feel I feel quite blessed right now we listen we'll definitely catch up with you when you're back from your travels all the best with uh, your uh, project over in the uk as well and the expansion of the one moto brand and really appreciate you getting up nice and early for us this morning adam uh, all the best with it and we'll catch up soon cheers adam thanks guys Very big thanks to Bye-bye. adam ridgeweather who founded uh, media cube and now of course uh, is the founder of one moto looking to expand uh, at the moment more of starting up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone in moments on Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Starting Up with Virtue Zone. Uh, we're live here uh, on Dubai Eye 103.8 FM. Myself and Mr. Neil Petch alongside me. Let's do this one. Company Clinic. A couple of questions that have come through. Thank you very much indeed to all of you for your questions. Uh, Part's been first up uh, with his uh, question. Uh, Part asking the question, Neil, when does a startup stop being a startup? My goodness gracious. It's a very me. existentialist question. Yeah, it's, isn't it? It, I, I think I'm going to say it's all in the attitude. And, and uh, we, uh, you know, our father tells us first year of business is the hardest. It's when the costs are high and the revenues are low. But actually, um, after year one, whole different set of challenges and that's still startup that's the growing pains it's maybe getting access to funds to help you grow and that's that's still very much a startup and you know look at uh, look at us you know mm. 110 people we're still a very small company mm. but you know one of the things i would say is when you stop feeling that it's in in that area where you can personally really influence the company um, perhaps the motivation's not uh, are there to such an extent. Those people that are in big corporate jobs, lovely, but do you really get the same thrill? Uh, Part's actually come back with his second part from Part, saying this, saying, um, uh, sell your business when you don't enjoy what you're doing. That's rule number one. Uh, also, uh, sell your business when you don't have a succession plan, when you don't see a future in the region, and when you don't know how to scale or don't have the capital to scale. So pretty much covered all the 
areas there. I'll tell you, um, thank you very much for answering your own questions yeah. there, uh, uh, my friend. You're making my job very easier. Another thing that I would say is sell whilst the market is going up because the people that are going to be investing, A, they want to feel that they have got some skin in the game, namely that they can add some strategic value, that they can make it grow even faster. And, and secondly, if the market is on, the, don't try and pick the perfect time when it's absolutely at the peak. Let's take an example. I'm going to congratulate us here, Tom. Mm. Uh, Golf News, brilliant story today that mm. uh, uh, you can actually have 100% ownership of a property company. Now, who was it that broke that a week ago, Tom? <laughs> oh, yes, it was us. And guess what? We've set up three companies. We've got 17 in, in the list. So it's a bit like there's a queue going down the Sheikh Zayed Road of entrepreneurs wanting to own 100% of their own property company. So that's a good time. Get into that. Annie's been in touch. Uh, says, Neil, I'm thinking of moving permanently back to my home country, but I want to keep running my small business here in Dubai. Are there any legal obstacles that you're aware of? Well, I think you are moving to what 85 million people are contemplating. There are 85 million global nomads at the moment who are able to reconsider where they run their business from. So, in short, I I don't know what nationality you are, sir, but uh, assuming you're not American and as such taxed on your worldwide income, I would say you've done a very clever thing. You've built the foundations and you can run your business, particularly if it's something like e-commerce from anywhere in the world, and you've got the support of the whole UAE infrastructure. You're more tax efficient than anything. And the UAE is deliberately setting itself up. It's got more double tax treaties with other countries than anywhere else in the world, which means that you, you can achieve that. So congrats. Enjoy it. I hope that's answered your questions. Listen, if we haven't got round to answering all of your questions just yet, worry not, because VirtuZone, the team at VirtuZone, the online uh, digital team, will be continuing this conversation uh, online straight after we go offline, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Uh, we are going to draw we a line. We rarely do. It. We very rarely do, that's for sure. But that's one of the beauties of the show, isn't it, really, eh? You just leave scratching your head going, what on earth were they talking about? <laughs> the two Ronnies. <laughs> Hopefully we've brought you a few uh, answers to a few of those questions. Uh, Mr. Petch, thank you so much indeed to you and the Tinas. Uh, always a pleasure and thank you very much indeed for being An honour learning from you, Tom. Um, uh, good to have uh, Mr. Petch alongside me. A big thanks to Neil and all the crew at Virtue Zone. It is at Virtue Zone. Hashtag starting up with Virtue Zone.